This episode is sponsored by Vision Trust. Vision Trust is an organization that provides essential support in the areas of health, education, and spiritual development to children and adolescents living in poverty around the world. Vision Trust is brimming with female role models who are investing in the next generation of women. Their love is defiant. It stands strong against all odds, and yours can too. Join us in raising up confident young women that embrace their God-given talents to create a better future for us all. Learn more at visiontrust.org forward. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and at Forward, we recognize this month and the incredibly important conversations and awareness that it creates. So we dedicate our content for the month to joining the conversation, and this month is no different. If you're working toward being unstoppable this year, I'd like for you to spend this month and these two May episodes considering the role that mental health can and should play in your personal roadmap for your journey to being unstoppable. Do you want to be more resilient? Do you want to be more present? Do you want to feel more honest with yourself and in turn with those in your life? Mental health plays a huge role in making those goals and many others a reality for your life and a perfect infusion into the foundation of your own unstoppable development is the personal decision and commitment to create boundaries. This month, I'm joined by Dr. Shannon Crawford. If you followed forward for at least the past couple of years, you will recognize her name and voice. Dr. Crawford is a licensed psychologist and the CEO of Crawford Clinics, and she's also the host of the podcast Unlock You. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. So let's jump right in. Well, since we have been focusing on the goal of helping our forward community learn how to be unstoppable in each of our lives, I would love to start off our conversation by having you share about a time in your life where you felt like something was holding you back from being unstoppable. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, Sometimes knowing this stuff in your mind doesn't mean that you actually are applying it at the deeper level in your own life. So uh, my personality, I'm a seven. I want to say yes to every opportunity, Uh, more people, the better. And I just started noticing that I would have like every three months I'd be in burnout. And I'm like, I feel like there's an off button and I just want to like do nothing and nobody need or want anything from me. And I look at my life and everything I was doing was good. I'm a CEO running a business that I love. I'm serving on boards, including forward that I love. I'm getting mentoring. I'm being mentored. I'm serving in all these areas. I'm teaching at the King's University. All of these things are so good. Yet I am exhausted and drinking too much caffeine. I'm snacking too much. I'm on a zone out and I'm like, okay, these are not normally what I do. So I started to assess my life and go, Oh my gosh, I have become such a yes machine because I love being helpful. 
I love jumping in. Anybody resonate out there? If you're the person that's like, yeah, I can serve on that board. I can help. I can help set up and tear down. And I can, you know, we have so many uh, yes opportunities in life. And especially, you know, the women listening to this, you are talented, you are highlighted, and people recognize the gifts and the strengths in you. And so how do we decide uh, what to say yes to and what not to has been the hard fought lesson in my own life and trying to unpack. And that's what we'll do today of how do we start to narrow and focus what to really focus on rather than just amassing a ton of accomplishments and service opportunities, but then not really showing up excellently anywhere because we're a finite resource. And then if we spend all of our energy, we're not budgeting for the opportunities God's really setting us up for. That's so good. Yes, I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And we have spent the past few years recognizing the importance of this month and Mm -hmm. the awareness and impact that the conversations resulting from it can have on just so many lives. And a practice that is often mentioned when talking about prioritizing and you're protecting your mental health is this idea of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so is this a practice that you encourage with those you work with? Absolutely. It's a non-negotiable because especially for, I work with a lot of eights, that high achiever driver, you know, we are naturally driven toward being helpful, doing the right thing, fighting for a cause, serving the underdog, making things happen. And so if we don't have boundaries, then we spread ourselves way too thin. And then I find that before we know it, we become more irritable. We are less clear, less sharp. Um, We're not showing up the best version of ourselves. So by setting boundaries, you're actually protecting your best yes, rather than giving your yes so fluidly and across so many situations and people and responsibility that maybe your family or your immediate team are not getting the best version of you. So boundaries are so important because, as I said earlier, we are a finite resource. There is a limit to how many neurochemicals your body can reproduce in a day. And so without that quality sleep, without margin and time to replenish and do something creative and just stepping away, without that, you're not allowing the recharge and replenish. So the boundaries are setting aside time to honor how you've been made as a limited resource so that you can replenish. And then now you can give your best yes in the situations and the relationships that really are fostering the greatest legacy of your life rather than just the immediate pat on the back or congratulations, or you kept your word. So you showed up at the nth degree, you know, million responsibilities. So if we know that, now we can start to discern where do I put my boundaries because it's protecting me showing up with my excellent yes versus just a quasi-yes. Well, and probably one of the biggest reasons why setting boundaries might even cross someone's mind as something that, you know, hey, I should probably look into this is because they've come to realize that they're overusing the word yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this is so incredibly common for women in the workplace because many of us would rather say yes to too much Mm -hmm. and be seen as competent versus say no, you know, even when we should, and then be thought of as weak or disposable. 
So, I mean, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? Absolutely. So obviously being a psychologist, my passion is to help people go to the hard drive level, not just conscious awareness software level of our inner world. You think of yourself as a computer, the software is everything consciously that we know we should do. So we read the books, we go to the seminars, we know to set boundaries, but then we don't. It's like, why don't I do it? (laughs) Because there's a hard drive. There's an unconscious mind that's created by automaticity. So everything that I say, I don't know why I say yes when I know I should say no. I don't know why I people please. I don't know why I feel insecure, anxious, or like an imposter or afraid that I'm going to get fired when they're giving me good reports. Why do I keep overextending myself in work or home or community when I know I need to rest and prioritize that? Then you know it's probably something in your hard drive or the unconscious mind that was set up early in life. And so the biggest question is, where did I first originally? develop who am I in the midst of a group. So work is the quickest and easiest way to assess how did I feel as a child growing up in my family. So we first had our template in childhood of what is my role? Am I the strong one, responsible? Do I get performance-based acceptance and approval? Do people want and love me because I'm helping with my siblings, I'm cleaning up, I'm being so responsible and helpful? Or am I feeling truly unsecure or unconditionally loved and valued and worthy just me. Human nature, most of us have performance-based acceptance. And so then we take that to school where we've been evaluated our entire lives, performance-based acceptance and approval. And so that creates at an unconscious level, the fear of man and people-pleasing, where we look to outsiders to affirm, yes, you belong. You are wanted. You are smart. You are capable. You have what it takes. You're enough. So we have all these little heart questions deep inside that we don't even realize are down there, but our outward behavior, we go from family to school, university, and we go to work, always asking this question, am I enough? Do I belong? Do you want me? And the more that that question is uh, unanswered, right? If you're not getting enough feedback from your outside world, then you'll become even more needy for it, right? It's like they say girls that date jerks. You know, because we're wanting that approval from that person we think is unavailable. And so it's a natural unconscious projection to take me as an employee or what rank, wherever I am, the corporate structure. And then whoever I see, even if you're the CEO, seeing it as the trustees or the board or whomever, that I'm always looking for someone outside to validate me. And if we don't deal with that, then you can hear all these you know, books and podcasts that tell you set boundaries, girl, know your worth. No, you don't have to strive and climb the corporate ladder. You deserve this. I can hear that my software agrees, but that hard drive of the unconscious mind and the question, do I fit? Am I disposable? Am I wanted? Do I belong here? Am I enough? And so what we do is then we overcompensate for that question. It's too threatening. So we don't allow it in conscious awareness. We bury it, you know, in the Christmas decorations in the basement of the soul. And instead, I just continue to be helpful and show up. And I operate from a false self where I want to be so perfect, so responsible, so high achieving that no one will ever make me feel like I don't belong and I'm not wanted. Along the way, we've accidentally put our sense of value and worth in outside people that are fickle. Whether it's a manager or getting downsized or not, all of these feedback sources are not God. And so on on accident, me included, 
my unconscious mind has created the approval of my workplace, my success as my God. It's an idol on accident. And I have to reconcile this in myself as well, where it matters too much what people think. That people-pleasing, performing, wanting to belong, wanting to fit so badly. And I'm not saying don't be excellent. I'm not saying don't show up and do great work. But we're saying at an unconscious level, there's this unconscious striving toward wanting that approval and acceptance. And without that, now we feel anxious. And so that's where people go into imposter syndrome. They develop anxiety. And over time, as a limited resource, then we go into depression. And we feel weary and tired and burnt out because we're looking for a God, i.e. the approval of others, the approval of whoever you're looking to tell you you're succeeding at work. And that source will never, ever validate that unconscious question that we really have to take back to the Lord for him to answer it once and for all inside. So let's talk through how to set up boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. and boundaries that will actually work (laughs) for someone and will help keep them focused on this goal of being unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the first step? Well, the first step is obviously identifying what is my true spiritual vision. We are strong and capable and competent. We can do a lot. Every woman listening to this, you are tuned in because you're probably a very high achiever. I get you, girl. And at the same time, if I'm a fire hydrant and I'm spreading my energy everywhere, I'm not really being laser focused. So we have four levels of processing. You have your smart brain, kind of that prefrontal cortex, the brain that thinks of strategy and thinks of long-term vision and how do I want to execute that and get there. It will use common wisdom and knowledge and understanding, my human understanding. And then we have our subconscious mind. Subconscious is not your unconscious. Subconscious is the part of you that can do automaticity. It can just kind of run in the background, autopilot, if you will. The way that you can kind of get through the day or like an athlete can do muscle memory or you can drive home and not even like think about where you're going and yet you get there safely. Muscle memory and automaticity, all of that becomes passive. And so we start to just kind of phone it in. And I work with a lot of CEOs that have become very comfortable and without realizing it, we are just relying on what's always worked and we're not truly getting vision from the Lord of what the future holds. And then we have the unconscious processing. And so from that inner world, that's where I'm asking the unconscious question of, am I enough? Do I need to overcompensate? Do I need to perform? Am I an imposter? All of those questions then cause us to be driven. And then the vision we have from the unconscious mind will usually deviate between either being fear-based, catastrophizing, worst case scenario, everybody hates you, you're about to be fired, you know, kind of catastrophizing the worst scenario of every situation and or going to the fantasy of I'm going to be the best, everybody's going to love me, it's going to work like this. But then anything birthed in fantasy of like this unrealistic expectation, you know, like a woman goes on a date with her husband and she's like, okay, it's going to be amazing. Oh, it's just real life again. Dang it. You know, or we go on vacation and then we have the letdown. That's because part of our unconscious is trying to escape the present reality by having a fantasy that it's going to look like this. And we build it up and we don't realize we're doing that. But then when we create fantasy, then failed expectations always make life lackluster by comparison. And then you have the mind of Christ or your spiritual mind. 
And in cybersecurity, they're growing the literature of calling it spiritual intelligence. So just like we have IQ, we have SQ. So your spiritual intelligence is that inner intelligence, that gut or intuition or true self, whatever the world wants to call it. I would say it's your spirit man connecting with the Holy Spirit to be able to get vision from the Lord. So for instance, in you know 2008, there were so many people that were over leveraged and they're investing and they're doing what the market tells them to do in tradition. So that's kind of that prefrontal, it's smart brain, uh, it's wise, it's strategic, you're reading, you're knowing, you're in the lane. And yet it doesn't have long-term vision to know we're about to go in an economic crash. If we don't know that, we don't know how to prepare in advance, like Joseph knowing in advance, okay, there's going to be economic surplus that will lead into economic decline that we need to prepare now, and then we need to be able to pivot. So when people stay in smart brain and our vision is from the smart brain, then we will have human understanding that leads to striving, that leads to posturing yourself. Um, making sure that you're around the right circles, and that can get really exhausting. Furthermore, it doesn't have vision into the future. It just has intel at the present. And then we use past trends to predict what we think will happen in the future. On the other hand, your subconscious brain just wants comfortable. You know, where I'm at is fine. I just want to coast. I've arrived at this dream place, but I'm not really living from my heart and my God assignment. So I don't really show up in the ways that maybe the Lord would say, hey, you're not just here to be a CEO or a CFO. You're not just here to be a manager. You're here to encourage and disciple. There's one um, home builder, CEO, and he was living the high life, wealthy, using his time, energy. And then he had a real awakening when there was an economic crash and he was close to bankruptcy. And through that, he realized, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. I know better. And yet my inner world was still running on strategy of doing what the world's doing, prefrontal cortex. I was going into complacency of kind of phoning it in, autopilot, everything's working. Women, you might be listening and going, yeah, I'm kind of in the groove. This is working for me. But am I really leaning into the spiritual intelligence? So to set boundaries, we have to realize what part of me am I really operating from? Am I gaining vision from what makes sense to my human understanding? Am I making vision from what's comfortable and low-hanging fruit, what's routine, and I'm just trying to get through the day and make enough food for the kids and get all the people's house in order and work at all things? Or am I also overcompensating, creating fantasy of how it's going to be so extravagant and amazing or fear-based? Or am I truly setting aside time to have vision from the Lord? And then once I have vision, now I can narrow the parameters so I'm budgeting my energy. We don't just budget time, but we also budget energy. The amount of mental energy and capacity to think about something and be constantly on takes a huge amount of your limited resource of neurochemical energy. So whatever we invest in shows you where you have vision. That It's kind of like you look backward and go, man, I'm really worried what my coworkers are thinking. I'm really worried and anxious about my kid's future. I'm really concerned about this, or I'm really fantasizing about somebody at work. And I think that they're going to promote me or I'm fantasizing in a sexual way, whatever that might be. You're like, where am I putting a lot of my energy helps you reverse engineer and recognize, oh, that's the part of me I'm probably gaining vision from. And that's why I don't really have great boundaries right now because I'm leading from the wrong part of me. 
when I start to recognize, and we'll talk about it later, um, how to walk in and actually reawaken your spiritual vision to make sure you have the right vision. Now you can place boundaries around that. Now you can guard your best yes, and you can say no to the things that are good, but they're not the greatest for right now in this season. And so that's what I would say is first, and then we would do a heart check. And I can talk about that more, uh, but I want to make sure I'm just honoring our time. Well, and once you've clarified God's vision for your life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what's next? Like wh- that, that's a huge step. <laughs> so what would be, what would be the logical next step after you have really solidified that vision? Yeah, absolutely. So I love that the Lord usually gives very long-term vision and then he doesn't usually give a lot of steps in between. It's like you're at the beginning of the game. And then, you know, this is where the end is supposed to be. And it's fantastic. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to do these things, but I don't necessarily know the next step. And that's where I think he's actually asking us to deal with self-sufficiency. So people who are high achievers tend to be very self-reliant on accident, right? I think, okay, Lord, this is my assignment. Okay, self-starter. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. I love you. I'm believing you. I'm going for it without realizing I am never, ever supposed to step away from his presence to co-rule and reign, to partner, for it to be a process. So when I go into self-reliance, I get the vision and I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. I'm praying, I'm talking to him, blah, blah, blah. But I don't realize on accident, I've reverted back to my prefrontal cortex that's coming up with the strategy and the plan. So the Lord's really been teaching me to slow down. And one, to repent of self-sufficiency, which on accident is a form of self-reliance, on accident is a form of self-idolatry. Because I'm looking to me to have the plan, to set the boundary, to be wise, to make good decisions. And that's a lot of pressure. I am looking to me as my source, even though I'm praying, I'm asking God, but it's like my heart is still looking to how am I going to figure this out? A clue is to recognize how many times you say I in the sentence that reveals who the noun or the source of where you think what strategy is going to come from. If instead you can just open your heart and posture yourself even throughout the day, obviously we start the day in silence, not only neurochemically, but also brain waves that helps you get into a really good flow at the beginning of the day. And there is research, neurotheology, which is not Christian, it's just called neurotheology, the field of research about how our brain waves and meditation actually set you up for success in that day versus starting with your phone, starting with your email and your laptop. And so we start that way with a heart posture of God, I can't do this without you today. I ask you to lead and guide. What is your plan for today? And I think it's that relational equity of moment by moment walking with him. And even when I'm meeting with clients in my heart, it's not weird because not all my clients are Christian by any means, but in my heart, I'm just going, Jesus, what do you want to say about this? What's your heart for this person? What's your heart in the strategy of how this is going to, and in my mind, my conscious mind, I have no thoughts. It's like my mind is blank. And then there's that step of faith of opening your mouth And 10 times out of 10, I say something so brilliant that it actually answers a question I had in my own life that morning. And I'm like, Lord, you're so good, but so tricky at making us constantly reliant on him. And I think that's how we protect from burnout is that you learn how to be in relationship, not just get the vision and run with it, but get the vision and now partner with him moment by moment. And then you'll start to discern, how does he give you a check? 
So if there's a little bit of lack of peace, if there's a feeling of uneasiness, now that could be your own stuff. It could be a million different things. But if you have an uneasiness and a lack of peace, I would immediately step back and say, hey, God, what's your intel on this? Is it the wrong timing? Is there something about it? Just had someone the other day that was going to um, buy tickets for a huge concert. It was sold out. They were so excited. And they just had a weird lack of peace from buying it. And then come to find out that person was soliciting to get people's credit card information and there was no actual ticket. It was a scam. So just those moment by moment. And then he'll give you larger strategy of like, okay, but I really believe the Lord is after our heart and we're so self-reliant. We get the vision, we run with it. And we've kind of like started to make him like a prop where we pray along the way, but we're not truly listening and then responding in those moment by moment interactions as a constant friendship. Thanks so much for joining me for the start of this month's conversation with Dr. Crawford. Come back in two weeks when we conclude our chat with Dr. Crawford and discuss how to apply internal and external boundaries to protect your most valuable asset, your time, as well as learning how to say no to something that seems good in order to say yes to something down the road that is great. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth. We invite you to check out the Forward Mentor Program. The upcoming summer session is now open for mentees and mentors to sign up. This 10-week program connects Christian women in the workplace with mentors who share their beliefs, and mentor-mentee pairs are hand-picked according to the mentee's goals and current hurdles they'd like help getting over. To sign up for the summer session of the Forward Mentor Program, visit forwardwomen.org mentor. The deadline to sign up for the summer session is Friday, May 12th. If you'd like to join the mentor program later in the year, the deadline to apply for our fall session is September 1st.